So welcome um, everybody and Kia Ora. Um, in today's webinar, we will talk um, about the latest and emerging recycled materials used in road uh, pavements and a new tool developed for um, their assessment. So we have more than 400 people registered for today's session. Welcome to you all um, and thanks for joining us. My name is Ekaterina, I'm a communications officer at uh, Austroads, and I will be moderating today's session um, together with Grant Bosman and Mike Pickering, who will moderate the Q&A at the end of the webinar. First of all, I would like to acknowledge the Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the custodians of the land from which we are broadcasting today. I pay my respect to all this past, present and emerging. I also acknowledge the Treaty of Waitani and Mary as the original people of New Zealand. A little bit about Austroads. Uh, we are the collective of Australasian transport and traffic agencies, and our focus is to support our member organizations to deliver an improved road transport network. This project uh, was delivered under the Transport Infrastructure Program, which is managed by Ross Guppy. A bit of housekeeping. So our presenters will speak for 40 minutes and then we will have a Q&A session for 15 minutes. Um, the slides, the guide and the report can be downloaded from the handout section of your sidebar, which you will find on the right hand side of your screen. To send us your questions, please use the um, question icon on your sidebar. If your question relates to any particular slide, just include the number of that slide in your message. Um, if you have any technical problems, um, a quick tip, um, if you lose sound or your picture freezes, uh, the issue is most likely with your internet connection. So closing your browser and rejoining the session uh, using your registration link usually helps. This session is being recorded and we will let you know when the recording is available on our website. If you listen to a podcast, uh, you can also find Austroads in your podcast app. Um, so our presenters for today, uh, we will first hear from Grant Bosma. Grant is the Principal Surfacing uh, Engineer for Wakakatahi New Zealand Transport Agency. He will introduce the project and the team. Our second presenter is Brody Clark, uh, WSP's um, Associate Pavement Engineer. Brody will focus on the current use of recycled materials in pavements. Um, and our third presenter is Phil Harrington, WSP's Technical Principal Road Surfacings. So Phil will present the assessment uh, tool for emerging materials. For the Q&A, we will be joined by Mike Pickering, um, Director, Pavements Research and Innovation in the Department of Transport and Main Roads, Queensland. So welcome to all our presenters and over to you, um, Grant. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Um, and on behalf of Austria, I welcome you to this webinar um, on the uh, reporting on the project that we carried out looking at the assessment of the use of waste materials uh, used in road surfacings. I'm Grant Bosman and I work for Wakakatei New Zealand Transport Agency and it was my privilege along with Mike Pickering of the Queensland Department of Transport and Main Roads to support the, and guide the work that was carried out by um, the, the research team at WSP. Um, this work was carried out by, both by WSP Australia and New Zealand so uh, cross-Tasman resources were pulled and they had two main themes. Firstly, <clears throat> excuse me. Firstly, to to review and update uh, the Australia's guide to, um, to pavement technology, Part 4E, which was the guide to the use of recycled materials, and also, also as as part of that review, to develop a framework or a protocol so that new materials or processes or or, or novel materials or or the use of waste materials or, or anything else uh, can be holistically assessed to make sure that there's a, there's a net benefit in the use of such materials. In other words, really what we're saying is we'd want to be reasonably assured that using waste materials isn't going to create um, perhaps other unforeseen problems. For example, reduced durability of road pavements, um, environmental issues, or, or even perhaps to affect the recyclability of the pavement. So really, it, ultimately, it's about doing the right thing for the industry, doing the right thing at the right time and looking after our local economies and I guess ultimately the world in, in which we live in. Hey, our planet is a world with finite resources and this is all about maximizing the use and the reuse of the of the resources that we have while minimizing the effect on the environment. So look, I'm absolutely delighted to introduce two of the WSP researchers who will present uh, on, the, on the outcomes of, of their work. Um, 
firstly, uh, and, and not in order of, of appearance, but uh, uh, Phil Harrington of WSP Research in New Zealand, and uh, our next presenter, uh, Dr. Brodie Clark of WSP Australia. So thanks again for signing up. We hope you enjoyed the seminar, and I'd like now to hand over to Brodie. Thanks. All right, thanks for that, Grant. Hopefully everyone can see my screen now. Um, so for my portion of the presentation, yeah, thanks, Ekaterina. Um, for my portion of the presentation, I'll do, I'll do a brief, brief overview of um, sort of what started the renewed push for using renewables, uh, particularly within pavements, uh, what we're hoping to achieve by sort of updating this guide and um, each of the sort of the recycled materials identified as established or currently in the trial phase. And I'll also apologise, I've got a bit of a, a throat tickle at the moment, so if I, if I have to clear my throat, I'll take a sip of water. Apologies for that. Um, so the project background. Um, in 2017, China announced uh, Operation National Sword, um, and it sort of progressively sought to tighten the waste import into China um, to sort out regulation and compliances and to, to reduce smuggling. And effectively, it, it banned the waste of uh, banned the um, import of waste. Um, so following China's national sort announcement, uh, Australian waste exporters noted dramatic increases in import fees and freight costs, uh, while material prices decreased locally um, due to the market oversupply. Um, so as a result, uh, significant amounts of waste were redirected to existing and new recycling facilities across South, Southeast Asia. Um, but then as a result of that, over, over 2018 and 2019, in response to that, um, increased recycled imports into those countries. Um, the, the major recyclable and waste destinations of Malaysia, Vietnam, Thailand and India also announced their own bans and restrictions and increased the tax um, on imported recyclables. So therefore, Australia was left in a bit of a pickle. So in 2019, the National Waste Policy Action Plan was developed to present targets and actions for implementing the Australia's national waste policy. It set uh, national targets to ban the export of waste to reach 80% average resource recovery rate from all waste streams by 2030, um, and also to significantly increase uh, the government and industry use of recycled content. Um, so to achieve the objectives of the waste hierarchy, uh, we need to reduce waste going to landfill and improve the use of recycled materials to achieve more sustainable development and improve communities' outcomes. Um, I know we sort of have a mixed audience here today, so I thought I'd start by giving a brief sort of overview of what actually um, constitutes an asphalt pavement. Um, this example of a 14 millimetre asphalt mix provided from our friends at Fulton Hogan. Um, and you can see that the asphalt consists of a gradation of uh, large and small aggregates, uh, filler and secondary binders. Um, and you can see in this particular mix, there was a, a portion of the uh, mix that, uh, that used uh, recycled asphalt, which is the wrap and glass. Um, so bitumen is then added to this uh, mix as the primary binder and can make up between three and a half to 13% of the volume, uh, depending on the mix type. Um, so all components of asphalt are generally derived from non-renewable resources, with bitumen being the most expensive part. Um, so the more we can substitute with recycled materials, the less strain we put on material resources and improve the triple bottom line of projects. Um, so the first cab off the rank in terms of what, uh, recycled materials we're going to look at is reclaimed asphalt pavement. Um, it is a good one to start on because it's the most... Uh, um, recycled material in the construction industry. Um, it's, it's generated from crushing and screening uh, retired asphalt pavement to generally reclaim the aggregates. Uh, wrap is used in asphalt pavements, granular pavements, or as general fill, uh, but the best use of, uh, is within new asphalt pavements um, as it, uh, it reduces the required binder content of new asphalt pavements, which as I said before is the expensive part. Um, and that reduction of binder is achieved through the, the wrap having bitumen coated aggregates. So when virgin aggregates are used, uh, a portion of the bitumen is lost due to the porous nature of the stone absorbing the bitumen. And by using the reclaimed aggregates, the stone's pores are already filled with bitumen and there's less wastage of that binder. Um, significant studies globally um, sort of agree that low levels of wrap have sort of negligible impact on the material's performance. Um, whereas high levels of wrap, they've, they have similar results, but the processing and quality control, as well as the, um, the asphalt plant itself, um, need to be investigated. 
Um, the issues with wrap that plague most country is quality control and composition of the materials. Um, stockpiling and retaining information of stockpiled wrap is difficult uh, with potential myth, uh, risk of variability if, if wrap is obtained from different sources or has components of different differing materials or even pavement types. Um, there are studies currently underway looking into the effect of wrap that contains recycled materials such as plastics and rubber uh, to determine if there's any detrimental effects of re-recycling these materials. Uh, so wrap has, has very positive effects on the cost of the project by reducing binder content, uh, reduces the demand on virgin materials, uh, has no noticeable effect on the performance of the pavement and no environmental impact compared to conventional materials. So it ticks pretty much all the boxes for, for sustainability. Uh, recycled tyres. Um, so in 2018-2019, 465,000 tonnes of end-of-life tyres were produced in Australia and they comprised approximately 41% passenger tyres, 34% truck tyres and 25% off-roading tyres. And then uh, the crumb rubber feedstocks generally separated into those three categories of passenger truck and off-roading uh, based on the composition of the natural and synthetic rubbers, the, the textile and metallic fibres and carbon black presence. Um, so crumb rubber is the most utilised recycled material in Australia for spray sealing applications. So it's used as, uh, as a binder modifier with the end product classed as a polymer modified bitumen or a, a PMB. Um, in Australia, bitumen binders are currently combined with up to 20% crumb rubber for spray sealing works. Um, so the use of crumb rubber within Australia, uh, within asphalt in Australia, is, is gaining more traction with uh, most states either adopting or running trials for its use. Um, typically, it is currently used as a high-performing wearing course and has significant benefits in terms of reducing reflective cracking from underlying materials and improved fatigue resistance. Uh, crumb rubber can be introduced through two agreed processes. So you've got the, the dry method and the wet method. Uh, with the dry method, the, the rubber is combined as part of the aggregate fraction prior to the introduction of bitumen binder. So this process allows manufacturing efficiency, although it gives only optimal, sorry, it gives only minimal control over binder blend properties. Um, only partial use of the rubber is achieved and the full potential of the rubber modification is underutilized. Uh, the wet process, however, uh, that involves the addition of crumb rubber to the bitumen binder medium, either on site in specialist plant or at a uh, bitumen terminal or refinery. So this process maximises the potential benefit of the crumb rubber modification by allowing greater control of the mix. So crumb rubber produces high quality asphalt products and has big potential for future reduction of total asphalt thicknesses. Um, but the current issues that are being resolved is that the re-recyclability, as I mentioned earlier, at its end of life, um, how to use car tyres and not just truck tyres. Uh, there is sort of minor odour um, complaints and discussions from residents local to the plant and the projects. Um, and how to specify the mixes and further optimise the pavement design process. Uh, okay, so the next one's recycled plastics. It's sort of the um, most controversial of all the material types. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Um, so virgin plastics have for many years been used as a component in manufacturing modified bitumens for asphalt. Sorry, I might just take a, <laughs> take a sip of water. Yeah, so yeah, virgin plastics have been used for many years, um, but there's only eight potential polymer groups um, identified as potentially suitable for use in small quantities as uh, bitumen modifiers and asphalts. Um, to assess their recyclability, uh, waste plastics can be sorted into two categories. Either get a thermoset or thermoplastic. Uh, so thermoset plastics undergo a chemical change when heated and cannot be reformed or remelted. Um, hence, they're considered more difficult to recycle. Um, examples of thermoset plastics include polyurethane, epoxy resins, uh, acrylic resins, vinyl esters, silicon rubbers, and polyesters. Uh, thermoplastics can be reheated and reshaped into different products and are considered yet yeah, very recyclable. Uh, examples of thermoplastics include ABS, acrylics, nylons, polyactic acids, polycarbonate, uh, polyethylene, polypropylene, polystyrene, polyvinyl chloride, and Teflon. Uh, similar to rubber, plastics can be combined either through a wet or dry process, <coughs> excuse me, or some combination of the two. Um, recycled plastics are still in the early phases of incorporation within Australia in asphalts um, due to the lack of research and trials, uh, material source concerns, environmental and health, health and safety concerns, and re-recyclability of the material. 
However, if you'd like to learn more about recycling plastic into pavements, uh, I encourage you all to attend the upcoming Austroadsen RMIT uh, hybrid seminar event on the 2nd of September, in which uh, the, the other Austroads project team will present on their findings from their project uh, APT 6305, Use of Roadgate Recycled Plastics for Sustainable Asphalt Pavements. Uh, this project actually delved uh, you know, a lot deeper into the, identifying the types of road-grade plastics with performance testing of the modified bitumen and asphalts. Um, they also developed a, a lab testing framework to assess the bitumen and asphalt emissions, a methodology to assess the release of microplastics from plastic-modified asphalts, and they, they did look at the question of the re-recyclability of the plastic-modified asphalt at the end of its service life. So I encourage everyone to attend that session. I assume someone smarter than me, like Ekaterina or something like that, can put a, a link to that in the chat or send it out after the presentation. Uh, okay, next one's recycled glass. Um, so approximately 1.16 million tonnes of glass were consumed in Australia between uh, 2018 and 19, with 600... 184,000 tonnes uh, recovered for recycling. So that's equivalent to roughly 3 billion glass bottles being diverted away from landfill. Um, glass continues to maintain a relatively high recycling rate, although production of virgin glass consumables has slowly decreased as it re is replaced by the plastic counterparts. So that may lead to a uh, reduction of recycled glass availability in the future. Um, with all waste streams though, the aim of uh, processing recycled glass is to return a high-grade material to the glass-making process. So again, manufactured glass containers and other products, um, but this requires very pure and uncontaminated waste glass streams. Uh, lower quality material sources, <coughs> sorry, um, such as glass commingled and collected in municipal waste bins or from industries. Um, maybe too contaminated or poorly graded to suit the repurposing um, as <coughs> repurposing as uh, new food grade containers because of the contamination. Uh, in this case, alternative applications for the recycled products are required. Um, recycled glass, car recycled glass uh, can be used in most pavement types. Um, it's also good for like drainage backfill or generally as a substitute for wherever sand is used. Um, <coughs> sorry. Uh, buyer beware though, uh, recycled glass can have uh, catastrophic outcomes if used incorrectly. Uh, for example, if misused within concrete, the glass can react with the Portland cement through an alkali silica reaction. Uh, this can lead to swelling of the glass particles, uh, which can result in significant cracking of the stabilised layer. Uh, similarly, in asphalt, um, you can get white volcanic cracking occurring, and also there's uh, potential for stripping due to the uh, asphalt fault in the glass particle not um, adhering sufficiently. <coughs> Sorry. Um, all of these issues can be mitigated, but uh, the user must be aware of them. Uh, industrial slag. So slag is a byproduct of the iron and steel making process and is uh, proven as an acceptable alternative to natural aggregate uh, resources over a wide, wide range of applications. Approximately 2.9 million tonnes of iron and steel slag uh, products were produced or imported to Australia and New Zealand <coughs> between 2018 and 19. Um, slag has improved polishing resistance and performs extremely well in surfacing layers in comparison to conventional aggregates. Um, so in theory, um, if you combine sort of a slag aggregate with a high-performing epoxy binder, you could get uh, wearing courses in the future that can last three times as, as long as conventional mixes. Um, slag is limited by availability, however, as more plants are shut down and manufacturing outsourced overseas. Uh, so the potential for slag is great within pavements, but as the future is unknown, unknown sort of the R&D side of it is limited at this point. Uh, coal combustion products. Um, they can be classified as either sort of fly ash as being the finer material produced from coal fire stations and energy production, uh, and furnace bottom ash, which is uh, the larger particles collected from the bottom of a furnace. Uh, fly ash is a fine material produced as a byproduct of coal combustion and thermal power plants uh, and is generally considered non-hazardous with regards to ignitability, reactivity and corrosivity. Hence it is uh, compatible with most commonly used construction materials. So material properties will vary based on the coal from which it is derived and the boiler operations, um, but fly ash is used largely in Australia for most pavement types. 
Uh, furnace bottom ash is generally suited for use as sub-base, fill and drainage layer materials uh, due to the relatively low unit cost. Um, furnace bottom ash can be utilised in large quantities with a stable and consistent supply. Um, there are currently no specifications in Australia and New Zealand though which sort of limits its use. Uh, it must be noted that there are toxicity risks associated with potential heavy metal leaching from both fly ash and furnace bottom ash and that's depending on the chemical composition of the coal. Um, therefore fly ash is generally treated and disposed in dedicated ash ponds and is most commonly used in cementious applications as a substitute for Portland cement where the, where the material can be bound and confined. Uh, recycled crushed concrete. So it's the last of the, the general materials we know of. Um, recycled crushed concrete and masonry has uh, commonly been used in roading applications as unbound or even stabilised materials in base and sub-base layers. Uh, it can also be used in, as fill or drainage layers as well. Uh, the material source generally determines the aggregate size available as concrete and masonry can greatly vary depending on the intended original application, which in turn will impact on the quality of the recycled material. Uh, for example, recycled aggregate produced from high strength structural concrete will be composed differently from the sort of low grade quality footpath concrete. Um, furthermore, a high strength specialised concrete uh, may, may contain sort of, uh, you know, 40 mil aggregate sizes, which precludes uh, sufficient interlock for a specific application. So that may lead to further crushing and grading requirements depending on the intended use. Um, recycled crushed concrete has been found to have equivalent or superior qualities to uh, natural aggregates while generally being approximately 20% lighter. Um, in, in some jurisdictions, recycled crushed glass and wrap may also be blended with the crushed concrete and recycled masonry to produce sort of unbound and sub-base, uh, unbound base and sub-base courses um, with uh, obviously high recycled content. As uh, recycled crushed concrete and masonry is derived from the C&D waste stream though, it's uh, obviously susceptible to contamination. Uh, for example, the, the, the feedstock might uh, contain asbestos, timber, recycled steel, uh, plastic pipes and fibres and that sort of thing. So good quality control and monitoring uh, is essential for C&D waste sources and can eliminate most risks. Um, I sort of included this this image as it's a good little snapshot of uh, a typical road section and it shows the sort of water related mechanisms that allow contaminants to leach into the surrounding environment. So obviously rain falls from the sky, it runs off either towards the curb or away from it depending on the crossfall um, and, and can infiltrate the water through sort of the joints in the curb, uh, the curb where the curb interfaces with the, uh, the pavement or the uh, permeable verge behind the curb. And also the, so the groundwater table can rise up or natural springs can be located below the pavement which can push water up through the underside of the pavement and into the you know, drainage blanket or subsoil drains and they which make their way into the natural water streams. Um, so because of this it's important we don't treat our roads as horizontal landfills and all recycled materials are scrutinised before the use because yeah, the, the contaminants present within each layer can make their way into our streams. Um, last slide from me. So this is the sort of only a new addition to the presentation and I thought I'd add it because it's sort of a, a good slide that it shows that how our industry is constantly evolving and innovations pop up every every other day. So EnviroMaster is a company based on the Sunshine Coast and they claim to have developed the technology to convert asbestos waste into uh, usable engineering material. Uh, so currently asbestos is treated by digging a big hole in the ground and burying it so it's out of sight and out of mind, um, making it someone else's problem in a hundred years time. Um, so this technology is obviously it's still in its infancy, um, you can't use it on a project tomorrow but it's definitely one to keep an eye out on. And it also highlights the, the importance of the assessment framework that Phil is about to run through as, as new suppliers or emerging technology should be scrutinised to ensure it's appropriate. Um, as you can imagine, residents probably wouldn't be too happy to hear that the road out front of their house was made from asbestos. But it highlights that testing, but also highlights the, the testing and the question that should be asked before introducing those sorts of materials to give authorities and the local residents peace of mind that it's safe for use and appropriate for application. Which is a nice little segue into Phil's presentation. So I'll happily hand it over to him. Uh, Thanks very much, Brody. Um, 
I also have to apologise a little bit in advance because I'm also recovering from a, from a bit of a cold, so uh, there might be a bit of coughing and spluttering going on as well. Um, well, as uh, Brody um, uh, uh, alluded to, we, as, as part of the revised guide, we, we've developed an, an assessment framework to help in evaluating potential benefits from using waste to recycle materials in, in roading applications. The, um, the assessment framework has been presented in the guide as a series of flowcharts with accompanying notes and discussion. I'm, I'm not going to attempt today to go through all these in detail, uh, but I'll, I'll just give you a bit of a, of a summary. The slide you're looking at at the moment uh, shows uh, an overview of the process. There, there's a lot of interest in improving the environmental sustainability of the road network uh, through greater use of waste and recycled materials. But there's also a wide concern about uh, around the potential misuse of such materials. And it's generally agreed that roads should not be viewed as a, a convenient dumping ground for unwanted waste. So the, so the purpose of the assessment framework is to provide a, a systematic but high level guide to factors that need to be considered when contemplating use of recycled or waste materials in roading applications and to provide pra uh, advice on the practicalities of undertaking assessments um, to determine whether the materials are uh, suitable or not. The, the framework isn't intended to be a detailed specification or a highly rigid process. Given the wide range of state and national jurisdictions and overlap with regulations and environmental and health and safety areas, this really isn't a uh, feasible goal. The framework is written in a, in a generic way, so uh, that it could be applied to, for example, uh, a specific stockpile of material uh, to be used in a specific project, or a class or type of recycled material that could be used much more widely. Obviously, the level of um, detail undertaken in an assessment will depend on a number of factors. For example, the novelty of the material. Ha has it been used before in road construction? And also the scale of its current and, and potential future application, which will affect the, um, the, the risks involved. Generally speaking, the more closely defined the recycled material is in terms of its composition, its source, um, and intended application, then the more accurate the assessment will be and the easier to do. For example, assessments, uh, assessing the risk associated with waste, waste plastic in general will be less useful than considering a, a specific class of waste plastic based on chemical structure and formulation. Uh, so, so as you can see in the diagram, the, the first step is to undertake an initial assessment. This, this looks at um, big picture questions aimed at determining if there are likely to be clear societal benefits from the proposed application. If so, then four separate assessments are undertaken or considered. These cover um, engineering performance, environmental performance, health and safety, um, and uh, project management impacts. Each of these are covered by a separate flowchart with um, supporting notes and uh, discussion in, in the guide. An important point which applies to all the assessments is that they must be undertaken by suitably qualified experts. <coughs> Excuse me. As a wide range of factors and areas of expertise are covered, it's likely that more than one expert will need to be consulted. Uh, a suitably qualified person will, will probably have a, an academic qualification in the area of interest, such as environmental science, engineering or material science, for example, or several years experience in the area, um, or, or preferably both. Um, the slide shows the uh, initial uh, assessment um, chart. Uh, as I said a moment ago, the initial assessment uh, step aims to provide clarity about the real value of the proposed recycled material application and prompts, prompts thinking about the big picture benefit or disbenefits. If there are obvious potential benefits and further and more detailed assessments that may be needed can be, can be considered. Although in some cases a use of a recycled material could generate significant cost savings or, or produce improved material performances, as Brody's alluded to, in general, the main drivers for use of recycled materials and pavements, especially into the future, um, are environmental, um, in particular through reduction of waste going to landfill, substitution of virgin materials, and, and reduction of the carbon footprint of, of the network. 
So environmental considerations are the focus of the initial assessment. Um, the very first step shown in uh, box A1 uh, is, is the property to find the recycled material, its source and how and where it is likely to be used. Many uh, recycled materials are not necessarily well defined in, in the sense that their chemical composition and sources may vary widely and, and so may their properties. This needs to be taken into account for the assessment to, to be useful. For example, crushed concrete sourced adjacent to a construction site uh, will have a very different carbon footprint from that transported from 500 uh, kilometres away. As I mentioned previously, the, the more narrowly defined the recycled material, then the easier the assessments will, um, will be. In, in, in box A2, uh, a number of high-level questions are asked aimed at prompting thinking about the overall benefits. For example, are there better, more environmentally sustainable ways of using the re of, of, of reusing the material in question? Um, in, in other words, outside eroding. Is, is the application small scale and localised or does it have a wider nation, nationwide application? It's also essential to consider whole of life issues. What happens to the recycled material uh, when the road pavement reaches the end of, of life? <clears throat> the, the second section of the chart uh, looks at what further assessments are needed. In, in many cases, the recycled material may be a, a mature technology and have a long history of use with detailed specifications governing its allowed composition and how it can be used in specific jurisdictions. In, in, in that case, additional detailed assessments may not be needed beyond standard engineering testing. But even, even for widely used materials, there may be factors that indicate that um, investigation of, of specific engineering, environmental or health uh, safety properties is needed. Uh, and, and that's why the recycled material needs to be well defined. Um, key principle underlying the assessment framework is that products that include recycled materials should have an equivalent or better perform should have equivalent or better performance um, characteristics uh, compared with conventional materials and, and should pose no unacceptable additional risk for the environment, safety or human health. Uh, if in doubt, it's important to err on the side of caution. Also, it's very important that as far as possible, road surfaces and pavements, which include recycled materials, should themselves be reusable or re-recyclable. Um, or at the very least, they should create no new disposal problems uh, in the future. Although, although the process is, is presented in a step-by-step um, -step fashion, obviously if a, a red flag was present, for example, potentially very high costs that would impact on project performance, then clearly that would be a prior, priority to investigate. And that factor may make detailed assessments of, of other properties redundant. There are additional flowcharts with supporting notes looking at each assessment area, the environmental engineering, health and safety and project management impacts. Um, there's, there's not time today to go through each in detail, but I'll, I'll, I'll briefly uh, bring them up and then, and then discuss the environmental assessment chart in more depth. Of course, many of the issues and difficulties that arise in making assessments in the different areas are the same and throw up similar issues. Um, the engineering performance uh, flowchart is relatively straightforward. Um, most, most key engineering properties of roading materials and construction processes are already controlled by uh, detailed specifications. The materials incorporating, recy incorporating recycled materials um, should uh, meet or exceed those specifications. An important consideration though is that it, it may be difficult to assess uh, the durability of a recycled material that does not have an established track record in the field. Related to this problem is, is the need to be aware that road material specifications for aggregates and bitumen assume properties uh, such as water insolubility and inertness to biodegradation. In other words, there may be um, recycled material specific properties that may need to be evaluated and suitable test methods developed. Similarly, Complications can arise with use of standard bitumen and aggregate test methods, which may not be suitable for use with some recycled materials. It, and, and it's also necessary to think carefully about um, performance properties that may be particularly affected by the recycled material to make sure those are assessed in uh, more detail. Um, as with 
uh, engineering performance, health and safety assessments can make use of um, existing regulatory controls and standards. In this case, those governing, uh, exposure, for example, exposure limits to chemicals and particulates. Careful consideration needs to be made of specific issues that may not arise in handling and, and using traditional materials. Um, the potential biohazard from uh, residues on recycled glass stockpiles is, is an example of that. The um, project management uh, assessment uh, focuses on uh, practical factors may, that may impact on project management budget and, and delivery. This covers things such as uh, whole-of-life costs, uh, recycled material stockpiling and handling issues, performance warranties from suppliers, and intellectual property rights, amongst others. Um, so this is the environmental performance framework. Uh, chart. The um, the first step, the uh, C1 on the top left, uh, is is to determine the chemical composition as far as possible. This may be as simple as a, obtaining a, a safety data sheet from the supplier for for mature technologies, through to undertaking detailed chemical analyses for novel applications or materials. The the type of recycled material, its source or production route, will provide pointers as to whether it is likely to be harmful in itself or, or what it may be contaminated with. Obviously, it's essential to deal with um, representative samples or, or representative data for the uh, material in question. But by their very nature, many recycled materials uh, can show wide variation in properties. Once, once we know precisely what we're dealing with, uh, the next step is to determine whether the uh, recycled material, its components or contaminants, are covered by existing standards, regulations, or controls governing use or release into the environment. If so, then a decision to proceed or not is straightforward based on whether the regulations can be met or not. If, if use of the material is not already controlled, which is the most likely scenario, then a risk assessment is needed. This could be based simply on the chemical composition, for example, the presence of high levels of some known ecotoxins such as cadmium or chromium may be sufficient to discount use, although complications can arise. Um, materials with harmful contaminants, but which are to be used at a low concentration in the finished road, and hence deemed low, low risk for that reason, could cause problems when stockpiled at high concentrations on, on site for extended periods. In many cases, uh, though, uh, there may be uncertainty about the detailed composition or the presence of unknown contaminants may be suspected. Conversely, the, the presence of harmful contaminants may be known, but there's good reason to believe that their bioavailability bio is limited. In, in other words, their release to the environment may be slow or, or negligible. If, if no clear decision is, is possible uh, based on chemical composition alone, then leaching studies or ecotoxicity testing to assess potential impacts will be required, with exact test conditions uh, determined on a case-by-case -case basis. These need to be carefully considered to ensure they provide a realistic approximation of in-surface conditions. And uh, a key point which I've mentioned previously, but and which also obviously applies to the other assessment areas, is that the whole life cycle of the recycled material from stockpile to end of life needs to be accounted for. And this, this could spend decades. Um, the material may be inert to leaching in the field, but how and where will it be disposed of? Will it be widely dispersed as dust, for example, when the ash, when the ash fill mix is milled up? The, long, the long-term nature of recycled material applications and roading and the difficulty in accurately predicting future behaviour is, is a good reason for taking a conservative approach. The, um, the obvious question that now arises is, is what criteria are used to, assess, uh, to interpret test results and reach a conclusion about environmental risk? And, and there's really no one simple answer to this. There, there, are, there are a few roading material specifications that control chemical composition in detail. One, one example is the limit on heavy metals and reflective glass beads used in road marking paints. In, in most cases, though, um, some other standard or regulations governing water quality, for example, will have to be used, or, or a decision made based on expert judgment and review of the technical literature. A simple and conservative approach is to use chemical composition standards 
applied to materials suitable for clean fill, which are available in many jurisdictions. Another useful option is, is to benchmark chemical composition, leaching or ecotoxicity test data against results for equivalent conventional materials already in use. This will ensure that the recycled material does, does not at least make matters worse. Finally, the, the contribution of, of greenhouse gas emissions from road construction and maintenance is an area of growing concern and is an important consideration when evaluating potential benefits from use of recycled materials. In, in box C9, uh, the, the carbon footprint of the proposed recycled material application is considered. Life cycle assessments for recycled materials can be undertaken as for any other road construction material or process, um, but may be complicated by particular difficulty in obtaining detailed information on emissions from the initial collection and processing of the recycled material. Okay, so that's a, a brief overview of the framework. I'll, um, I'll hand you back now to uh, Katerina uh, for the Q&A uh, session. Thank you. Thank you, Phil. I am sharing my screen now and uh, Grant, we're ready for you and the rest of the team for the Q&A. So I see we've had a, a few uh, questions in the chat box, some of which I've responded to, but uh, has anybody else got anything they want to raise? And I see I, there's one question here. Um, how widely is RAP used in porous asphalt in Australia? What, what's the percentage of RAP, what RAP percentage is used in porous asphalt? Um, I don't know whether Brody, you want you wish to respond to that? Uh, that's a good question. I can't. Or yeah, perhaps can't say I, I can think of the allowance of the open graded Mike. Do you know if TMR allows RAP? Yeah, hi. Um, maybe I should put my camera on. Uh, yeah, look, thanks, Brody and, and Grant. It's not allowed at the moment, so it's mainly in dense graded asphalt at the moment. Uh, similarly, in New Zealand, we, we don't allow wrap and open graded, uh, only in dense asphalt mixes. I'll respond in writing in the checkbox here. And I have another question here. <clears throat> Whether the asphalt mix design using recycled materials is suitable to use in Canberra, in Canberra winter, sub-zero nights. Um, I'm more than happy to respond to that coming from New Zealand and we do get the odd sub-zero night here, uh, unlike in, the, in sunny Queensland. Um, well, yes, but the, um, the uh, normal attention would have to be paid to um, site ambient conditions, asphalt production temperatures, um, compaction processes and, and possibly the use of compaction aids um, to um, compensate for the, for the low temperatures. But I might note that as, as Brody has touched on, um, up to 15% of, of RAF and dense asphalt mixes is, is, is not even noticeable. It, it has no um, material effect on, on the mix properties and, and no noticeable effect on, on the handling characteristics. So I would say up, up to 15%, um, there's, there's no need to be um, to behave any differently than you would do with, with virgin materials. Um, appreciate comment from anybody else though, should they wish to. Uh, yeah, look, Grant, it's Mike again. Uh, it's it's just that, uh, you can treat it's it. my understanding that. Yeah, sorry, sorry, you sorry Grant. Um, Brody, yeah. No, you just treat it as normal asphalt. We generally try to achieve a similar result. Um, so we're looking we're looking to apply the same sort of principles or restrictions or constraints as you would for any other type of asphalt, because um, we're looking to get an equivalent or better outcome. Sorry, Brody. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was just going to add in that uh, it's my understanding that generally um, Canberra leans on the New South Wales or Transport for New South Wales specification. So if it complies with those specifications, it's probably no risk, no issue. 
bear with me while I type. Uh, I have another question here. <clears throat> One of the biggest challenges is getting recycled glass sand materials washed. And, and, the, and the question would like to know how any of the other uh, road authorities are, are washing recycled glass sand and, and the cost implications. And perhaps I could ask, answer for New Zealand at the moment, and I have to say that we're not using any recycled glass in our asphalt mixes in New Zealand at this point in time. Um, we do recycle glass into base course aggregates, but at this stage, not into our asphalt mixes. Um, and perhaps Michael Brady might like to comment in respect to the Australian situation. Oh, yeah, I'll probably start by saying that um, yeah. it's. Oh, yeah. There you go, bro. Keep doing this. You go, Mike. Uh, <laughs> All right, I was at, just going to say that um, generally it's a, it's. <laughs> Sorry, there's, there's clearly a bit of delay here. Um, I was just going to say it's generally the the suppliers that um, are providing the the sand, and it's not up to the actual jurisdictions themselves, um, or the glass sand that is. So it's yeah. Um, limited by whatever the you know the Alex phrases of the world sort of do to achieve it you go Mike yeah look just adding on to that Brody so uh, in terms of our local certification we don't require washing and I don't believe the from memory um, the Strost Road technical specification doesn't require washing uh, there are limits on the amounts that are currently permitted though in in asphalt I think we're talking here um, but there is a permitted in our local specifications and others with unbound materials as well. I think I think washing is, is more of an issue uh, using with uh, glass and concrete than in asphalt. Okay, thanks everybody. Uh, on to the next question. Um, uh, and with regard to the comment on skid resistance of um, slag aggregates. Um, is that statement made in relation to on-road performance or, or its performance in the laboratory? Uh, yeah, so a bit of both. So I know a few sites, well, a few areas that preference slag pavement because um, of the improved polish resisting factor value of the, um, the aggregate itself. So some areas like Queensland and things like that have issues with aggregate polishing. Aggregates become pretty smooth over time, whereas yeah, slag obviously has a benefit of uh, of resisting that. So I'd say it's probably proven in the field as well as in the lab. Thanks, Brody. And the next question is, uh, when working through framework for a specific recycled material option, are results compared with conventional materials as a way to determine whether performance or impact is improved? I, uh, some conventional materials will have a negative, and I'm negative is my word, some conventional materials will have an impact on the environment, etc. And that, that rate that picks up on a question that somebody else um, asked a bit earlier in the process, which I responded to, and that is, um, have we or should we looking, be looking at conventional materials using our acceptance protocol? And perhaps some things that we, we, we use as business as, as usual might, might not be. But anyway, the question is, um, we, uh, 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 results can be conventional materials uh, in the protocol. Uh, well, uh, yes, yes, they can be, or, or they could be compared to other standards or regulations, depending on, on what what your goal was. Um, uh, as, as Grant said, a, a lot of the way we, not so much the materials, but the way we build roads. Uh, could be seen as not particularly um, environmentally friendly, and if you were if you were going to come up with a way of constructing chip seals, for example, by um, adding kerosene and letting it evaporate, you might think, well, that you know that wouldn't be a good way to proceed now. But um, the frame we we did this question came up quite a lot, but the framework really, I suppose, is um, Aimed at uh, new, new or uh, novel recycled materials or recycled materials that may be contaminated. So, I suppose the goal is to not make things worse uh, inadvertently, but certainly the goal, the overall goal, should you know, should be to make things better. Uh, 
Um, yeah, and, and I guess better is a holistic word too. That, that if we if we're leaving virgin materials in the ground by using using uh, recycled materials, then, then there's a net benefit to society there. So yeah, it's it's, it's a good thing. Um, the next question is uh, probably aimed at Mike, and it, it is: Does TMR have procedures in place to introduce shredded tyres into subgrade or base materials? Uh, yeah, thanks, Grant. I think um, probably this one. One is probably one that would be good to have a separate discussion if we're talking about a jurisdiction specific sort of case because we're talking here for Austroads and, and talking in more general um, a general approach here about use of recycled materials. So if there's a specific one like this, I'd be happy to, to discuss that with, with anyone outside the webinar. Thanks, Mike. Do you need to type in here? Right, uh, next question. Does the binder in the wrap play a role in the blend with a new binder, for instance, PNB? Do we know how it affects the rheology of the fresh blended binder? Well, that would be you, Phil, perhaps, or Brody? Well, that, that, that's, uh, that's an area of, of ongoing research. The, the, the question of uh, how oxidised binder on, on wrap how well it mixes with virgin binder um, and what the overall composition is of that final binder, whether it's effectively two layers or whether it's mixed is, is an area of ongoing research. Um, it, and it will depend enormously on how how old the wrap is, as to um, how oxidised the binder is. Um, in, in most sort of... Um, analyses um, people tend to extract the binder um, the combined binder from the from the um, uh, from the final asphalt mix and, and look at the average properties of the binder um, and that and that seems to work quite well um, but the details of, of how it's mixing and uh, the exact state is, is still an area of, of, of ongoing research. Thanks very much, Phil. Uh, the next question is, um, why is recycled concrete not used in asphalt? Well, I'll shoot the one over to Brody. Um, I'd say, so, um, no. okay. yeah. yeah, you're right. Doing it again. Um, in terms of polishing resistance and things like that, it'd be a poor wearing course. Concrete chips away fairly easily. Um, so I dare say it wouldn't be very sufficient. Um, Mike, what were you going to say? Yeah, similar, Brody, durability concerns because unless it's in, you're broken down individual aggregates, you could get deleterious, you know, or easily degradable particles and those sorts of things in, in the mix, which is not desirable to get the performance. And, and if it's okay, um, Grant, I might just comment a little further on the PMB question with RAP. I think, I think in terms of um, pure bitumens, there are there has been research done and there are ways to account for the different um, binder in the wrap and, and there's some Ostrose research you could refer to there um, if you search the website um, and some jurisdictions have some um, based on research streamlined approaches to to wrap um, that take into account blending softer uh, new binder with um, with wrap in other constituents to generate an equivalent binder in the final mix. So there are ways to account for that. I think, um, as Phil said, PMBs is an area that's still um, difficult there. And that's why there's some limits in the specifications around how much you could use or where you could use it in certain mixes like PMB mixes. Thanks very much for that, Mike. Um, my next question is, in this presentation, is the focus only about technology innovation? How about the cost? Of processing recycled materials. So uh, my question is asked about the economics. Um, we, we we have a whole uh, flowchart looking at impacts on project performance, and that that would include uh, the economics of the process, uh, including not not just the cost of the material, but additional costs in handling, storage, uh, switchover costs when you've stopped using that material and going back to your standard materials. Um, all these sort of questions that, that you know obviously are important and, and need to be asked. 
Thanks, Phil. Um, what is the maximum percentage of wrap used in various layers of dense graded mixes in Australia? And are they varied with road use or traffic volume? Uh, I mean, I can say there's there's a few trials in a few different areas that have used, I think, like 100%. Um, but generally, 30% is sort of a, an agreed um, line where it's just the stockpiles are sustainable and that you get a good quality performance at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, there's, as I said, there's, there's been trials and testings for using very high percentages of wrap, but whether or not you, you're going to have the feedstock for that and want to take on that risk. It's generally only very small local roads um, out the back of nowhere that sort of trialled those. But um, yeah, Mark, did you want anything add anything from that? Yeah, you're right, Brady. It does vary. It, it does depend on the type of the mix and, and where it sits in the pavement. Um, rather than traffic volumes, the ones I'm aware of are more related to mix. So 15% um, is fairly readily incorporated or up to 15% in a lot of mixes, but there are ways you can incorporate more and there's the specifications around the 30, 30 to 40%, um, depending on how well wraps controlled. That's an important thing to consider in that the higher the percentage, the more testing needed on the wrap and the more control is needed on and processing there is needed for the wrap. Um, so provided there's increased um, capability and confidence around the quality of the wrap, um, you can achieve higher percentages. And in terms of a sustainable percentage, um, industry could probably speak to that. But um, yeah, at the moment, you know, 15 to 40% in a few jurisdictions is, is facilitated in various ways, um, but it does vary between jurisdictions. And if I could comment for New Zealand, I think that we're, we're pretty similar. 15% um, is not uncommon, but it, it depends on whether the local asphalt producer has, has rack capability in this plant, and not, and not all plants are, uh, are fitted with the right hardware. And it, there are locations where mixes with up to 30% rack and, and appropriate testing and um, compensation for the hardened binder allows such dosages. But that generally tends to be the, the larger centres where the more sophisticated plants are and, and a good supply of good quality wrap is available. Uh, moving on to the next question. Um, given that the choice of recycled materials is one of the processes to be further studied and the storage and handling process of the recycled materials is another issue, would it be more effective to encourage economically the processing storage of the re recycled materials as the step as the step go forward? I'm not sure I answered the question. I understand the question, um, but I see our questioner has left, so I might move on to the next one, which is a very good question. And perhaps, given that we have two minutes to go, it might be our last one. If the use of virgin material was banned tomorrow, what would we do to build new roads? <laughs> Brody. <laughs> but, but I think that's a very good question, actually. Yeah, that is a great question. Um, I think a lot of projects would probably be stalled and delayed and not get funding or approvals, that's for sure. Um, but I think that there would oh, be able to get a defend on the feedstock of the materials and things like that. But yeah, if we had the if we had enough wrap and glass and whatever else, we could probably get away with doing a lot of unbound pavements, but you, you can't really, at this point in time, you can't really substitute bitumen with a lot of things. Um, I, I think, um, I think, uh, volumes of um, recycled material, appropriate recycled material would be very much a limitation as well at this point in time. I'd just like to add that there is a lot of um, bitumen, particularly in chip seals, in which um, ultimately uh, ends up in, in, in clean fill or is buried. Uh, and if, if we absolutely had to, we could actually recycle a lot of our uh, Chip seal binders. Um, obviously, it would it would cost a lot. Um, but in terms of a, of a substitute for bitumen, there's no readily available uh, material that that it would be available in large large enough volumes to to substitute bitumen completely. Um, and if we weren't allowed to use virgin aggregates, I'm not sure. <laughs> obviously, we'd have to reuse what we've already got. Thank you very much for that, folks. And I see that the clock has ticked over to four o'clock, which is officially the end of our, our webinar. So I will hand back to Ekaterina, who I 
presume will, will make some including remarks. So yep. thank you everybody to the presenters and, and the panelists. And I guess most of all, thank you to the people who have attended this seminar. Thanks so much, uh, Grant and everybody. Um, we have a few questions left here and we will uh, prepare responses to all of them and send them to you after the session. Um, so just a few little things before we let you go. Uh, we have three webinars scheduled uh, in August and September. Um, and in those sessions, we will talk about sustainability in road tunnels, updates to Standards Australia uh, for bitumen and related materials, and multimodal incident management. So if you are interested in any of those sessions, please uh, visit our website and register. And uh, once we close out today's session, the questionnaire will pop up on your screen. Uh, please take a couple of minutes to send us your feedback. We do read it all and it really helps us to understand uh, what you liked or didn't like about the session and whether you have any suggestions for our future webinars. Once again, uh, the webinar today is being recorded and we will send you the link to the recording when it's published on our website. Thanks again, everyone. Stay well and safe and enjoy the rest of your day.